What's up, everybody? On this week's episode of Guys Talking Sports, we discuss Bobby Bonilla Day. Uh, this man is still continuing to get paid. Crazy. I, I, I wish I signed a contract like that. Uh, the NBA, and we discuss some college football and NIL. Well, make sure you guys tune in for this week's episode of Guys Talking Sports. Well, what's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Guys Talking Sports. Today is June 30th, 2021. Fellas, can you believe we're six months in? Like, for real, six months in, and in 2021, this year is flying by, flying by. I can't believe it. But once again, it's a pleasure to be here with everybody. So what's going on, fellas? I'm doing good. Uh, it's hot. Hot. Very hot. Agreed. That's why I have H2O. Yeah. Oh, um, I'm, I'm doing that up. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm good. I have my drink here as well. Um, but it's Pepsi. Um, so um, that's where I'm at right now. <laughs> Trying to stay cool. All right, fellas, so it's June 30th. We're about to be blessed to be July 1st. And before we get started and all this NBA and all this other great stuff, let's pay homage to a, 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 a ex-MLB player who, to this day, signed the most lucrative contract in MLB history. It doesn't seem like much, but this man is still getting paid. He's been out of the game for God knows how many years. <laughs> let's give a round of applause for Bobby Bonilla. You this have man to, you is about to collect another 1.2 million dollars this year and I think he still stands to collect many more 1.2 million dollar contracts until <laughs> so 2035 yep uh, and I'm sure all he does is take that check and stack it somewhere <laughs> just live off the interest of it you got you got to appreciate I think he was ahead of the game when it came to getting contracts where they pay you so many years prior to, you know, or past your uh, retirement. But, dude, that was a smart contract. His agent was like, dog, let's sit down for a second. Let's evaluate this. This sounds crazy. It might hear me out. But you can be paid to 2035. <laughs> you can be sitting at home doing shit. <laughs> what you think? <laughs> well, well, it, it, I, I guess in, in all fairness, um, it was a buyout. <laughs> right, right, true. It was a it was a buyout of his contract, um, and they agreed to buy out the remaining five mil or almost six mil. Um, but instead of giving him cash up front, they decided to give him 1.9 mil per 25 years. But it doesn't make any sense because if you have 5.9 million buyout and you're paying 1.9 million and you're doing over per 25 years, something doesn't jive up. So it must be some more monies he was supposed to get on top of that. Mm -hmm. But yeah, he's collecting his check into 2035 with an 8% interest on that joint. 8% interest each year. The Mets is stupid. My our, our brother Nishad, 
how can you justify that one? <laughs> and all he doing, I'm sure right now, tomorrow he'll wake up, he's going to spark up a stogie, <laughs> have, a, have a shot of brandy or something like that on his day. Sit back on his on his nice acre or multiple multiple acre uh, estate and just enjoy the fruits of his labor. <laughs> as long he, as he's not yeah. drinking, as long as he's not drinking that stuff that Scotty Pippen was drinking on that on, a, on that um mm. cover the magazine that got him talking reckless. Mm. Yeah, he was because whatever whatever Scotty was drinking and sipping on, I don't want no parts of that. <laughs> yeah. Well, 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 since you so eloquently uh, slid us into the NBA. <laughs> I have to say, he's talking real, he's talking real <laughs> reckless. <laughs> reckless is not that. That's just that's, that's small compared to what he's talking right now. <laughs> do you do you believe the crack that he was smoking? <laughs> he got that good weed, that good sticky icky. icky? <laughs> I don't know what his problem was at that at that moment. I, I mean. You, I, I, I don't even know what to say at this stage. <laughs> I don't even know where to begin or what to say at this stage. I'm speechless still to this day. I mean, he, whew, I mean, he was coming at KD. He came at Mike, and and well, let's start off with first. He called Phil Jackson uh, his move to put Tony Kukoc in uh, racist. The hippie that lives in Montana that probably smokes some herb himself. <laughs> right. That guy. Uh, that's a little. I don't know. That might have been the way that Scotty felt, but uh, I don't know. It's it's kind of hard to kind of hard to see. I mean, you still gr you still grumbling about that last play, and mind you, Tony Kukoc hit that <laughs> hit that jumper. And they so eloquently saw that they ran the same play in that season. Um, it was against the Pacers where Reggie Miller came back and shot a, a three, a dagger three. Um, and he thought it was the end of the game. And then they ran a very similar play. And Tony Kukoc hit the last shot at the very similar spot. Boom. Bank. And won the game with 0.8 seconds left on the clock. Scotty. Scotty just won his flowers, and he he just ain't getting it from nobody. <laughs> so he's demanding it. That's that's the problem that he's doing. He's the, he's trying to demand his flowers, and it'd be one. It'd be. I mean, to bring it up now is still like. I, again, I'm speechless. I don't even know what to say about that. But I mean, everybody recognizes when Mike decided to go and play baseball that he was the one that led the team. Everybody recognized that he was that dude. So I don't. I mean, I don't. I don't recognize why he feels as though he needs that sort of acknowledgement. Maybe because the Mike, you know, Mike had his his chronicles, and they kind of glanced over, or glossed over his his reign of the team for those couple of years, and he feels as though he needs a little bit more respect put on his name. I don't know, but I think that's what, I think that's exactly what it is at this stage. I mean, he feels as though that he is one. I mean. Truth be told, he feels as though he's still one of the top 50 players of all time. So, well, nobody told him to sign that bitch ass contract that he signed either. Again, I, 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 he, I mean, he feels as though that he's right up there as one of the, of the greatest of all time. 
I think that that's where he's putting himself above. So he felt as though that even that time that time frame when Jordan was out, that he should have been calling the shots on everything and cooling the plays that was being drawn up. And when Phil didn't do that and gave Tony that opportunity, he took it to heart. Yeah, and I think he's also, uh, you know, there, there was talk that they weren't really all that coochie crunch to begin with um, necessarily. And I think, I mean, I saw the um, the last dance, you know, Mike Sarah and, you know, he didn't make Scotty look all that great. I mean, he didn't make a whole lot of people look great, <laughs> including himself. <laughs> but, um, I mean, he did kind of call him out there saying that, you know, he was being a little selfish for not necessarily, you know, getting the surgery ahead of time before that last season and waiting to get the surgery and other stuff and then calling out in that, you know, that 10-part series, that play where he didn't get the ball and he didn't want to go in, so he had any problems. I mean, it didn't really make Scotty look in the most favorable light. And like you said, like you said, I think he's demanding his flowers now because I think all these years, in my personal opinion, I think he felt that he was just as good as Mike and was probably not the, the only reason, but the main reason that might look so good because he took the hard assignments. He guarded the hard, you know, he guarded the top players, which allowed Mike not to exert that much energy on the defensive end. He was on the offensive end. He took the quote-unquote Robin role to, you know, Mike's Batman. And then, like you said, Al, when, when uh, Mike went out for two years, he was thinking, oh, okay, this is my time. You know, I, I waited in the wings. Mike's gone. It's my time. I should be the man taking the last shot. And then he felt slighted that Phil went in a different direction. And then Mike comes back. And then he's back to being second fiddle again. And I think that's really eight at him over these years, but I agree. Why come at hey, why come at it now? But I don't think he would have came at it if it really wasn't for the whole last stance. But I think all the stuff has been building and I think that to also probably sell his book. <laughs> he wanted to, you know, to make controversy because controversy sells, but I think there's some truth to some of it, but you took a long time to want to, you know, say all that stuff. You think him and uh, Mike got beef? I don't want to say they had beef. I don't think they were just like, you know, coochie crunch friends all the entire time. I think it might have been, and the people have said it wasn't always like they were like on the, like the best of friends. You know, they were cool, but it wasn't like, you know, like how, I guess, quote unquote, LeBron and D-Wade was. It wasn't like that, you know. And it might have been some competitive nature in there that, you know, Mike is a real competitive person. So, and I think, you know, you know, Scotty felt that he was, like I said, just as good, maybe not a little bit better in some areas. And I think, you know, that always, you know, that, that rivalry, you know, competitive rivalryness, because sometimes might not make people always be the best of friends. Like they might, you know, cool on the court, you know, cool in the locker room, but they ain't hanging out like that once they leave. Yeah, I'm in agreement with that. I mean, I think that it was more cordial. I think, I, yeah, I agree with Smooth. I think that it was just more cordial um, to get the job done. 
um, business-wise. But at the end of the day, I think that they wasn't at a point where, you know, it was all talk about, you know, like them hanging out like that. And to be honest, you could tell about, the, you could also tell um, with the last dance, you also tell with um, when Jordan made the, um, when both Jordan and Pippen was on the dream team, like you didn't hear that conversation about, you know, me and Pippen did this or anything like that. Um, it was more about, you know, Jordan, Magic, Bird, you know, that type of role. So um, I think that it just, it was just more so that we have a job to do, almost similar to how Shaq and Kobe were, where they weren't always buddy, you know, buddy, buddy on a personal standpoint, but they knew what they needed to do to get the job done to to win the championships. And I think that that's where it was with, with Jordan and Pippen. So when Jordan did what he was doing, he you Pippen said it himself. He was like, everything was ran through Jordan. Like it was a Jordan show. So, you know, you could tell there was animosity there regardless of the fact. So when Jordan left the to go play ball, you would think that Pippen, I think Pippen tried to embrace it as this is now the Pippen show. And I don't think that a lot of people took that. I mean, I don't think anybody else was thinking like that. I think he wanted it to be that way, though. Hmm. Well, Scotty, I'm not 100% mad at you for doing what you're doing I guess you, you I guess you have a strategy I hope you have a strategy for that book for that, book. <laughs> for that brandy <laughs> that too I mean you you have to do something to sell your product so right I mean if that means like completely saying stuff just out of the blue and just going with it you gotta do what you have to do because well, let, let, uh -huh. let me ask you this do you think Phil Jackson not saying nothing makes him seem a bit guilty and nobody else coming out to defend him makes him seem a bit guilty? Nah, I think Phil Jackson don't care <laughs> at this stage. Like, why would he? Like, he ain't trying to, like, he ain't that dude where he's holding conversations and talking about everything. Like, you don't even hear Phil Jackson. You don't even see Phil Jackson. Like, Phil Jackson is at, somewhere in the mountains probably like, yo, why am I hearing? I mean, who cares about what, what the NBA talk is? He's like, I'm trying to live my life now. So yeah. I'm not saying that it, 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 you know, I'm just saying that I don't think Phil Jackson at this point care. I don't think people really care about what Phil Jackson did or didn't do at this stage. It's just all talk at this point. Yeah, I agree. I mean, he don't care. I mean, no one not coming out saying anything directly. I think, you know, you don't want to put more air in it, something that might be false. And, you know, he was in he was in Lakers for two stints, you know, GM in New York, never once to any you hear a peep about any of that, you know, out of any of those stops. Now that's not to say that, you know, it's not unlikely, but we no one's never said anything about that. So I would be very shocked, you know, if that was actually true. And no one's coming out to hey, no one's coming out to say it is, and no one's coming out to say that it isn't. So everyone's just keeping, you know, Staying, staying out of it. Well, Scotty, salute. <laughs> uh, I hope you have a master plan or or evil solution about what you got. You know what you got going on. But I'm not saying you're being dragged, but it ain't looking too good. It ain't looking too good. But anywho. 
sticking with uh, the NBA. Interesting dilemma took place yesterday in the Bucks-Hawks series. We all know about Trey Young being out with his foot injury. And early parts of the third quarter, our boy Giannis went down with an apparent knee injury, which makes the series a, quick, a, a, a bit more interesting considering Trey definitely could probably be back game five where we don't know if Giannis is going to make it back this series. So with that being said, if you had to sit there and pick a Eastern Conference Finals winner, who would you choose and why? I'm gonna I'm going to say this. Um I at first I really thought that uh, Milwaukee should be able to I'm gonna be honest with you, Milwaukee should be able to win this series. I think it's evenly matched up regardless now with Giannis out. So um I think that Milwaukee should still win this series. Middleton should be able to carry them through. Um to be honest, they have enough balance now to focus on um, the. They have enough of of talent to still overcome, even with Giannis out. Boonholzer has to change up the game plan, though, because if he doesn't change up the game plan um, to maximize their team's talent, it's not going to be. I'm 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 I'm. If Milwaukee loses this series with Giannis out. I still would blame the head coach of it for not making the adjustments. Atlanta, to be honest, Atlanta has every has the momentum, so I I, I still see the Bucks winning this. But I, to be honest, I could see it go seven games without question, easily. The way things are going right now. Uh, I was confident. Uh, until yesterday's game started that I thought that the Bucs should be able to take this game. Um, when Trey Young went out, um, you know, they kind of rose to the occasion. And even when he comes back, who knows how effective he's going to be. Um, but when I saw them struggling in behind against the Bucks, and this is before Giannis went out, they came out flat and even heard um, PJ Tucker said they thought they can just walk in and win the game. And to me, Giannis back or not, and I and I'm he they might push him back, but I don't think he's going to be 100. Chris Middleton is too streaky for me. I think the Hawks is going to win this series. It wouldn't shock me if they did. They're going to get blown out in the finals, but it wouldn't shock me if they did. <laughs> they they had the perfect opportunity to put their stamp on the game and put a stranglehold on this series, even if Giannis still happens and goes out, they were playing lackluster and just stupid basketball up until that point. And um, you got Trey Young out. Uh, this is the opportunity for them to go up. They would have been up what? 3-1, right? Mm -hmm. They would have been up 3-1 with Trey Young out, and you couldn't even beat them without Trey Young, and you still had Giannis in there. Like I said... Now he's going, 
And like you said, Ace, I don't even know if he's going to be back this series. And if he is, who knows how effective he's going to be. When they said no structural damage, I was shocked because the way it looked, it looked like he blew a ligament or two. And they're saying there's no structural damage. If the fear is you put him back on the court, if he does something, then he might just actually get some structural damage because he might just tear something if it isn't already, you know, to the point where it's so thin that one wrong move might snap something, might snap an ACL. So he'll, I'll be shocked if he comes back in, but even if he steals with a, let me say, a 60% Trey Young beat a Giannis team with 60%, yes. I, I was. I'm sorry. Um, I, I I was. Hey, I'm in complete agreement with you. Milwaukee was definitely that game was not the best from them, and you're right because even with Trey Young out, Atlanta had more heart, um, a lot more energy, a lot more focus. And but the problem is I have with that is that both teams at this stage turns it on and off. Like it's no consistency there. Like, they'll be good for one game and then be completely opposite the next. Like, Drew Holiday will have 30 points in one game and then have 15 or 16 points the next game. Like, say it again? We're three. Yeah. Like, it's 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 off and on. So, that's why I'm thinking, like, it's going to go seven games because I could honestly see Milwaukee come out the next game on, on fire like beating them by like 15 points. I could honestly see that. And then it'll go seven games. I, I could honestly see that. Um, I, there's no consistency there. I Like, to be honest, it's, no one is playing with the urgency of we're trying to win this series at this stage. No one is, at, especially in the Eastern Conference, which is it's just crazy. <laughs> I agree. Well, I guess we'll just have to see how it all goes. Uh, yep. uh, and now switching over to the Western Conference Finals with the game six going on tonight. Do you see another Paul George Hurricane? Uh, uh, gosh. Uh, Herculean. There we go. Herculean <laughs> effort to propel. The Clippers to game seven. Can he do it two times in a row? I mean, he has it in him. Obviously, when he was in Indiana, he was a dude. So it's not like he doesn't have the ability to be that guy. I guess he's finally back in a situation where he is the guy. Last couple teams he's been with, Oklahoma City, you know, he went to somebody else's team. The Clippers, he went to somebody else's team. Now, in the short term, this is his team. Can he carry his team to the finals? Highly possible, and he's going to need to do it because right now, you know, he's going to need to do something because he only got four points, and they're, I think, down by 10 midway in the second quarter. So, you know, they're going to need to do something. Um, and I think Tyler will. Let me say this about Paul George. Um, the Paul George that we're seeing right now is more like the Paul George we saw in Indiana 
when, you know, he was leading that team and he's playing pretty good. He's actually been redeeming himself a lot this series, you know, win or lose, you know, I don't think that the, the, the story out there on Paul George is going to stick the way it has been sticking over these last, you know, couple of years. Um, I mean, I think for the most part, he's redeemed himself from the bubble and how he performed last year. Um, he's redeeming himself about his time spent in, you know, OKC. Um, so he's done a lot in the, in these playoffs to rehabilitate his image, um, to a certain degree. Now, if he gets to the finals, then sheesh, without Kawhi, then yeah, I think they're capable. Um, I'm hesitant to say that they will because they're streaky and they're flawed and, I think I think the Phoenix Suns are going to take this game. They they better take this game. <laughs> I don't I don't think they want to you know let a three one go, you know go um, back to um, the Phoenix because then it's going to get people going to get real tight, hands going to get real sweaty. A lot of those cats have not been in those pressure situations, and anything goes. So. Um, if I'm Phoenix, you better close them out tonight because, you know, you'll have game seven at home, but I don't think you want to have that big pressure on you to blow a 3-1 lead <laughs> and have to close out the game at home, you know, game seven. But is it capable? Yes. Do I think he's going to do it? I'm not that sure. No, I, I agree. Um, Paul George is – I completely agree. He re definitely redeemed himself. Um, but I just think that the Shippers sailed at this stage. Um, I just can't see the Clippers um, winning the next two games at this stage against Phoenix. And CP3's time is now. Uh, I think that this is going to be his time now to make it over the hump and make it to the finals with this young squad. Um, to, to, to be told, the way that Phoenix is playing now, I definitely want to see now. I I, I know I said it before that I would rather see anybody. Um, it doesn't matter to me about who's in the finals, but I definitely want to see now a Suns Bucks ser series. Um, if anything, I think the Suns will make it to the finals. I think that the Suns have a great chance of winning. The, I mean, yeah, I think the Suns has a great chance of winning the finals as well. Um, I think that the this young squad is really playing up to its level and CP3 is holding it down. So um, I think that they're healthiest now, which is definitely needed um, in this finals. So I think that since they're the healthiest team, they should be able to get over the hump and make it to the finals. Um, but they, I agree with you, Smooth. They definitely don't want to lose this game and have the Clippers get the momentum because if they do, then it's definitely going to be a, a long series and a series that they definitely are not, um, experience enough to handle at this stage. You think Kawhi comes back if there's a game seven? I think Kawhi Leonard is done for the for for this series and the finals. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I don't, I don't see him pushing it to come back at this point. Not at this point. So if the Clippers lose. Do they break up the team or break up the the chemistry because of this situation, or they look at this as a this 
untimely injury to Kawhi, us, we need to reset. And if we reset, who do they go out there and get to be that third piece? Well, first things first, they got to re-sign Kawhi. I think they will. Um, I, 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 at this point, I'll say never say never. But they, that's their pro- that should be their number one priority no matter what, is to re-sign Kawhi. Once they do that, then they can work on upgrading their roster, the bench. Um, of course, I don't think Paul George is going – of course, Paul George is not going anywhere. To be honest, I don't think Reggie Jackson is going anywhere. Um, there may be a couple of pieces down the road, but um, they can definitely upgrade that, but they have to take care of Kawhi first. Once they solidify Kawhi, then they can focus on everybody else. Yeah, I agree. I, I think they don't want to – tinker with the roster per se because I think if Kawhi didn't get hurt I think this series would be a lot different um I might even say the Clippers would probably win this series with a very healthy Kawhi um the reason why I'm saying I don't think I think he's done period is because the fact of the matter is they've been extremely vague about his injury oh he said he has to sprain knee and that was it <laughs> and then they say next game he's not playing next game he's not playing Next game, he's not playing. He's not even sitting with the team. He's sitting up in a, you know, the luxury box. They're not saying anything. Now, you might be coy about it, but there's not even talk to saying that Kawhi Leonard would be available to play or he'll at least try game seven, not like how you saw other players that were hurt and they were saying that he might going to try to give it a go, such and such a game. They've said nothing. So... I think is much more serious than, they, than they're letting on to believe, but just kind of pushing it out so that the Suns will have to, you know, try to game plan for Kawhi if he's there, knowing that he's not. But I don't think if, like you said, I guess the priority would be to side Kawhi. I wouldn't tinker with it too much, but guess what? If Kawhi walks, I don't think they're going to, I don't think they're going to, you know, break, you know, break their necks trying to sign them back. I think they let him walk if he walks. Hmm. That'll set him back. Uh, keeping on the injury front, switching back to the Eastern Conference Finals. Obviously, we know Giannis is not going to play the next game. But if it goes down 3-2 Atlanta, do you think Giannis comes back game six? I could see him giving it a go, but I could see him try to give it a go. But I don't think that um, the, the, I, I'd be surprised if the coaches will allow him to play. If Milwaukee wins games, game five, and they sit him game six, and it goes to game seven. I think I think what it is is that it all depends. I could see if Atlanta if Atlanta wins game three, then I can honestly – I can see – game five. I'm sorry, game five. Thank you. Um, if Atlanta wins game five, then I would see they, they'll evaluate Giannis, make it, you know, like questionable, doubtful um, – put those in play just to see he'll give it a go and then make a decision, game time decision. Nine times out of 10, he probably won't make game six. Um, but I could see him trying also to give it a go. 
Um, if Milwaukee wins game five, then, of course, they're not going to say anything about Giannis. If Atlanta wins game five, then they're going to – you're going to hear reports about if Giannis is able to play or not. Like I said, the way the way he bent that, that bent that knee inward, you know, I'll be surprised if he plays this the rest of the series, period. But, you know, like you said, it depends on how this goes and it really depends on how bad the injury is. And since they haven't really said much except there was no structural damage, that's about as vague as you can get. <laughs> so uh I don't know. I think it depends on how, you know, how medically they think he can give it a go, but they're try to they're gonna hope for some games that they win and try to at least get it to a game seven if it comes there to give him more time to rest. But I don't know. Well, I guess it's how bad do they how bad does Milwaukee win a championship? Uh I think what I think is if they win, if Milwaukee get, win games five and Atlanta wins game six, I think they'll make it so that Giannis is available game seven, but won't start him unless they try to get him into, you know, get him a few minutes just to score some quick points and try to get him out. Just to try to, uh, you know, uh, jumpstart the offense or something like that. But I can't see them playing him, especially if they have that opportunity to make it to the finals. Because I'm sure they would love a 90% Giannis come finals time than a 65% Giannis. Yeah, you know, the the, the you know the thing is still out there. You know, you, you think back a couple of years when KD was out there and he had a, what they're going to call a high ankle sprain or a high something when really he had a very tender Achilles shit and played anyway. He goes out there and plays, start to lighten it up, takes one jump, no one touches him, boop, blown Achilles, and he was out before the second, before the second quarter even started. So I think, you know, the medical staff has to look at the situation like, you know, can he go out there? Yeah. Is he really should he really be out there? I don't know. But I mean, the way the East is looking right now, I mean, it's a shame because this is the Bucks' time right now, to be perfectly honest. Um, this is their time. Um, and, you know, if they don't win, you go in next year, obviously the Nets' big three, barring any more injuries, are going to be back, and no one leaves. <laughs> barring any injuries, they're going to be back up in the mix. Who knows what's going to happen with Philadelphia? You seem done to be back in the mix. Atlanta's only going to get better. Um other teams are only going to get better. So this is probably their best shot to get it now because come next year, you know, when everyone's a bit back to playing healthy, who knows? Is Dinwiddie coming back to Brooklyn? Nah, he... No. no. Not he, said, he said deuces. <laughs> There's no reason for him to come back. There's no reason for him to come back. That's a huge, that's a huge loss for them. Well, I mean, to be honest... Nobody even thought about him since the since um the big three came into play anyway. So, like, let's be honest. Harding came in basically when Harden came in um when Spencer Dinwiddie went down. Harden right now is an upgrade over Spencer Dinwiddie. Dinwiddie gonna have to find another place because he is not gonna get the playing time he needs. He wants, without question. 
So when Harden came, they that was pretty much the writing on the wall for Spencer Dinwiddie. So you trying to say you would rather have a Joe Harris or a Spencer Dinwiddie? Well, Joe Harris doesn't need the ball. Spencer Dinwiddie needs the ball. Spencer Dinwiddie can control the the, the offensive flow. Truth be told, like when Harden came, that's when I knew Spencer Diddy was gone. Like, because I knew he had a player option. Like, there's no reason for him to want to stay in Brooklyn. He's not going to get that. He's not going to get the money that he's craving for in Brooklyn when you have the big free there. A lot of teams is going to offer him. He's going to be a number one option for a point guard. Somebody that's looking for a point guard is going to consider Spencer Dinwiddie no matter what. And they're going to offer him a lucrative contract. The question is. The question is, is where does he want to go? And it's a, it's a lot of teams out there that are in need of a <laughs> of a good point guard. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, this year, free agency is all about point guards, regardless. So I'd be shocked if Spencer Dinwiddie doesn't go on go to another team. Shocked. And it'd be kudos for him because he deserves it. Like he had his he proved what he, he can do. Did you see a Dinwiddie on Portland? No. Because um, Dame is there. No. No, no. No, 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 no. Spencer Dinwiddie. And put McCullough at the three. Run, run a three-guard offense. No, no. That won't work. Dame needs the ball. Dinwiddie needs the ball. C.J. McCullough is just okay with where he is right now. But he needs the ball, too. No, no. It's, it's teams out there that need a point guard, like a true point guard. Like, let's be honest. Like, I can name a couple. Boston would be a good play for him because Boston, Jalen Brown, and um, um, Jason Tatum would be a dynamic team. I mean, he could go to the Knicks. They need a point guard. He could go to – I mean, it all depends on – it all depends on what team is willing to pay for him and his services because he would definitely be an upgrade on a lot of teams. So what's going to keep Dame important? What does he mean? Obviously, he's he's. he's well, he got he got his head coach, right? And he got a two. What what does he need? What piece does he need? What free agent can come to him and make him a better and make Portland a better team for the uh, in the West? They need. I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, that's a good question because I don't know if there's anybody free agent market wise this upcoming summer that's really going to make the difference for him per se. Let me, let me to be honest. Like Norman Powell was a, 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 the one of the good trades that was made in the midseason. They need to upgrade on a lot of things. Um, and to be honest, they need a completely all, different offense because Dame and CJ playing that ISO ball is not going to cut it. As good as Dame is, it is not going to get them over the hump. And until they up do something with that offense is always going to be an issue. Always going to be an issue. And they need somebody that's, they need better wing defenders. Someone that can guard multiple positions. Um, I, they're, they're solidified on the, on as far as the, the they're solidified as far as the um, offense is concerned and the point guard position, but they need some better wings. Like Norman Powell can't be the only person there. Like truth be told, they're missing Seth. Because he provided that shooting as well to help them get over the hump or on their bench. So they missed Seth Curry. But I digress. That's another place, too. Like, if it all depends on the situation with Ben Simmons, but 
then what he going to Philly will, help, will, will work wonders. Mm. That will work wonders. And do you think? And do you think your boy is going to stay in Philly? Uh, who um, Ben Simmons? Yeah. He gone. Just depends on what it's going to be before the beginning of the season or by the trade deadline. He's gone. <laughs> as a matter of fact, they, they mentioned Portland. I think you mentioned Portland the other day as a, mm -hmm. um, a possible destination for him. I did. That would be an interesting. That would be an interesting scenario. But who they got to give up? McCullough? Mm -hmm. Without question. They're not going to just take they're not going to just give up Ben Simmons and not take one of your stars in return. And then so let's let's play this let's run this back. <laughs> so Portland trades for Ben Simmons for CJ McCollum straight up. I'm not going to talk about draft picks or anything like that. Okay. Does a Spencer Dinwiddie then make sense for a Portland? Where? Portland. No. 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 Dame. So you don't you don't believe that Dinwiddie is capable of running a point but still letting Dame be Dame? No. 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 I mean, I'm. The reason why it worked with with Spence. And the reason why he was so um, highly regarded um, because of his talents is because of the offense put him in that position. Like Kenny Atkinson didn't have that ISO ball. He had it where everybody was moving the ball one way or another. The point was, was that when D'Lo got injured with the Nets, Spencer Dinwiddie just took over the role because it was just a uh, next man up. So when it was next man up, he had the opportunity to basically just do what D'Lo was doing, which is one of the reasons why D'Lo became an all-star because of the passing. It wasn't about the iso ball. So it's not going to work if you have Dane playing iso ball, if you have Melo playing iso ball. The ball has to move in order for Spencer Dinwiddie for, it to be, for him to be productive. And I think that he that's why I'm saying he needs to go to a team where the team can he can move and control the ball. Um, he can't do it and Dame running ISO ball. That won't work. Um, he needs that type of offense that will flow. I say Philly in the mix because, to be honest, he could do pick and rolls with Joel Embiid and be productive in it in that type of offense. So um, I think that that's really where he needs to find a, a team that fits him offensively. That's really where he – it can't be about the money. It's got to be to a point where he knows that he can get good value and good production on a team, and that team can thrive on his production. Yeah, and, and if he was – if Spencer was to end up in, in Philly, then that will almost – you're almost guaranteeing that Ben Simmons is not going to be there. Yeah, without question. Without question. I mean, I mean to be honest – a Spencer Dinwiddie, Seth Curry. Let me let me rephrase that. Spencer Dinwiddie, Danny Green, or no, no. Matter of fact, Spencer Dinwiddie, Seth Curry, Danny Green, um, 
Tobias Harris and Joel LMB, that's a pretty good team that can do wonders if done right. Yeah, and to go back to your thing, Ace, I am not 100% even confident, you know, or I'm not even sure that, you know, Dane will stick around with Portland. That, that, that is that possibility. I mean, he hasn't said it. He's been saying all the right things, saying he wants to stay with the team. I mean, regardless of that one cryptic post he put up after the, you know, after they lost. But, you know, he's been saying all the right things. You bring in Chauncey Billups. But, you know, Chauncey Billups is still a, regardless of what happened back in 1997, all the other stuff, he's still very inexperienced. Is what this, he was the, um, Assistant coach to the Tyron Lue with the Clippers right now. He doesn't. He hasn't had that much coaching experience as of yet. Now that's not to say anything because we saw what his, um, Steve Nash did. Well, he didn't really have to do much until you got to the last <laughs> round, and then he actually had to coach, and he really didn't coach well. Um, but I mean, um, in there, you know, Chauncey will actually have to coach. Um, so if I'm Dame, I'm still not feeling all that coochie crunch about Chauncey Billups unless Dame has a personal relationship with Chauncey Billups, which could very well be, and I'm going to keep him around. But if I'm Dame, I don't know. I mean, outside of you, C.J. McCullum, and Nurkic, I mean, and, to a, and another player, I mean, I'm looking around the West. I'm like, I'm not squatted up enough to go against these cats. I'm not squatted up enough to go against L.A., I mean, Los Angeles Lakers, Clippers, Phoenix, um, huh? Golden State. I, depending on what Golden State does, whether they keep all its picks or not, who knows? But yeah, you're right, Golden State. Um, so I'm looking around at, at the landscape. I'm forgetting um, Utah, Denver. Mm -hmm. He's not really squatted up enough with the current squad that he has right now no, to really bang. <laughs> I'm not really worried about Memphis right now because they don't even know what the heck. They, well, no. I'm thinking about um, New Orleans. Yeah. <laughs> That's a cluster down there. And I think that um, the young boy is going to be out in about two years. But I want to get off subject. But, yeah, I don't know. If I'm Dame, unless they can do something, that squad is not going to be able to contend for anything over the next couple of years. That's one of the reasons why I think that they need to make they really need to do move heaven and earth to try and do something with the talent that they have. I mean, they may gonna have to make a trade with one of those those team members, whether it's CJ, whether it's Nurkic. Um, I don't I don't think nobody's gonna take Melo at this stage. I think Melo is where he is right now. So, but they have other pieces that they can definitely move um, and try to focus on there. They have to upgrade that roster one way, shape, or form, especially to a point where it's something where um, Dame will be okay about where you're not, you know, where it'll help him because, like you said, it's, I know his time is running out where he's not going to be too happy if it gets to another exit second round or they don't make it to the at least to the Western Conference Finals. So they definitely have to make some moves. Now, the question is whether or not management will do that. I mean, because you can't, like you said, even though Billups is in as their coach. There's still a lot of pieces that need to happen before you can solidify Portland as a favorite in the Western Conference. 
Well, if they want to keep Dame, they're going to move hell and earth to make sure that they keep Dame happy. So we'll see. Uh, well, yeah, they, they said that before last time. And then <laughs> same outcome. So, I mean, like, to be honest, they didn't even make a move until midseason. So they they really going to have to – they're really going to have to make for, – for Dame to be in a position where he's like, all right, at least they're trying, they need to make a lot more moves than what they did last season, bottom line. I guess it's just a matter of time. Just a matter of time. Well, before we wrap up today's show, want to uh, kind of address the NCAA and their NIL agreement. They're uh, allowing players of uh, collegiate players to get paid based off their name. Uh, I can never remember what the I stands for, but their likeness as well. <laughs> Name, interest, and likeness, like, uh, likeness, something. But either way, they agreed it. They agreed upon it because certain states had already agreed to pay players, but now this 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 uh, this law through the NCAA makes it so that all players, no matter what school they go to, can make money on their name, which is cool. It kind of it it kind of Kind of makes it so that the universities are not on the hook to pay to pay their athletes, but obviously there's always going to be that disparity between those who we know gonna make money versus Joe Schmo that's 115 on the, on the football team's roster who ain't gonna make crap. So there is always going to be something. So what do you guys just take on this? I I I'm, I'm happy that they're doing it because I believe. A wage is necessary. I don't believe they need to be played, uh, be paid like G League players are being played uh, that are not top G League players. But it's a start. So, what do you guys start on that? Uh, I think it's a it's one of many steps where I think it's going to lead to down the road uh, to some form of player compensation um, in college sports, um, whether you do it across the board or whether you do it for football or basketball, I think that would, it's, it's greasing the tracks and I think it's starting to trend that way. Um, maybe not next year, but in a couple of years down the road. Um, and as long, as long as Mark Emmerich is there, he's gonna fight that tooth and nail. But the second Mark Emmerich decides to step down, I think you're going to see that come across and even a Supreme court kind of say without saying it that, that you should, but then you have this rule and they say, you can use their likeness. I think it's going to be interesting to see how teams recruit um, players. Um, obviously the teams that are in the big market areas, uh, let, let's, let's say for instance, USC who might benefit greatly because you can, now saying you can use your, your name and likeness if you're good, you're going to be like in Hollywood, there are studios, entertainment, um, marketing areas. Um, you're going to be right in that, in that hub to be able to market yourself. We can say you're playing at USC, but if you're good, here's, here are other opportunities that you can make off the field to make more money, being how you're going close to Los Angeles, Hollywood, those areas. Um, so I think it's going to be very interesting to see how certain teams use that as a recruiting tool 
to kind of one up other people. So um, I think it's long overdue. Um, I'm just curious to see how this is all going to play out because, you know, not everybody is going to be able to make the same kind of money, but I'm glad that the guys that can won't get their hands slapped for trying to, you know, sell a jersey that somebody is going to go to the store and buy <laughs> in the college, you know, the boosters pocket that money and the kid can't pocket that money, but you're selling his jersey, you know, in the stores and he can't, and he, he doesn't see anything from it. I always thought that was foul, but like I said, big up, you know, it's, I think it's coming. Maybe not within next year, but I think within the next five years, you're going to see some form of compensation for players. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Um, and I completely agree that it's long overdue. Um, I think that at the end of the day, um, NCAA, this policy is going to help what should have been, it's going to help right what's been wrong with the NCAA for a while. Um, and I think that going forward now, it's going to actually help with recruiting. Um, I think that at the end of the day, um, that was just something that needed to be done, um, which is why a lot of people was doing one and dones because, you know, there was, there was talk with college. I mean, people that are like pro um, professional athletes now were saying like how they couldn't even afford to eat food or get something to eat during their time in school and everything. So this will definitely um, benefit for that, um, for the students, um, which should have been done to begin with. So it was a long time coming. Um, I'm glad that this is the first step. I'm just interested to see how this is going to, I'm wondering how, who is going to, what's the word I'm looking for? Who is this, who is going to coach these students to get the maximum effort? to get to that policy, to get paid the way that they should. Um, that's what I'm curious about. Um, I don't think the NCAA should have any say in this. I think that there should be other factors involved. Are there going to be managers um, from student athletes that's going to help coach them? Um, are there going to be classes in regards to how this is going to maximize them as student athletes? So I, I hope that they're taught the right way um, to utilize their that nil policy um to help utilize them going forward not just for what they prepare for and for their future but more importantly how they can utilize getting paid um while they're in school i think that that's really what's important i think that they need to be taught um i hope that they just don't leave them aside and have them fit for themselves i really hope that they have some education behind it so that these students can maximize the effort and get paid at the process. I think universities are gonna be left up to determining how they want to instruct their student athletes on how to earn money. I can't speak on the other hundreds of universities out there, but I can speak on West Virginia just because I follow them. And I know they've already implemented uh, a, uh, a third party arrangement with a, a team that will go in there and instruct how to have their players brand themselves in order to monetize their likenesses in a way that's fair and also will generate money for them. 
So it's just a matter of how each university goes about it. If they're going to go about investing in that sort of a thing, or they're just going to let their players, all their student athletes, just kind of run rogue and just say, go for yours. And if they let their, if those universities allow their student athletes to go rogue, I guarantee you that you'll see a drop off on talent going to these universities because they were like, I'm a, I'm a top athlete coming out of high school, but I can't contend with these jokers making this money. How am I supposed to make money? I'm gonna go somewhere where they may have some structure, whereas I may not make the top dollar, but I'm, I'm gonna be sure to make some sort of consistent money during my time at the university. So it could, it could be a gift and a curse for some universities, depending on how they go about it. But the thing about it, I, the thing that it gives also is a sense of balance, because if it's done the right way, then you'll get more of like these student athletes to say, I would commit to these other schools um, who are showing me the right way how to invest in myself, not just as a player, but, you know, as my future as well. So it, it, you're right. It could be a blessing and a curse at the same time. But if done the right way and consistently, you'll see more student athletes will prefer to do it that way than to just go into any type of college um, that even though they may be the big name, but they may not, they don't want to be that 13th person getting paid like a 13th person. They want to go somewhere where they can maximize their efforts and invest in their future. So it can be done the right way um, if these universities, certain universities do the necessary and take the necessary um, um, precautions to do it the right way. Yeah, and I think that the majority of the kids that are going to go that route or, or try that route or at least try to push the limits are going to be the five-star recruits, the ones that are like the top, out of out of like the your top 25 kids in the nation, you know, those blue chippers going to the certain schools going to be the one that's probably going to have the most opportunity to maximize their likeness depending on play and where they go. But I mean, like you said, who knows, that 13 doesn't want to be, you know, get money like a 13, they're going to want to get money like numero uno, but you're not going to be that kid, you know, may not be that kid, but it's going to be very interesting to see how this goes over the next couple of years. There's no guarantee. So think about it. Think about how Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, uh, Texas, Oklahoma, Michigan, Notre Dame, how they tend to get the bigger classes, the better, the best, the best of the best comes to their school. Now you're thinking about these top 25 players that go to their school or however, you know, they recruit for that year. You're coming in as a true freshman and you're coming into a position where you may not even get to play until your third year. And you're sitting there, you may make a coin, you may make two coins, but that starter is making 20 coins and you only making two. And then you're sitting there thinking about, but I can go to Western Michigan or I can go to Eastern Illinois. I can go here and make 15 coin and be that dude. I may not make 20, but I'm still making coin and being a star as well. So I think it's, I think that is going to be a determining factor about how the, 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 uh, the, the players are going to kind of navigate their ways somewhere where 
they might have considered Alabama June 30th of this year, but they might consider Cincinnati July 1st because they feel as though they could make more money in Cincinnati than they could be riding the bench in Alabama. Yeah, that's what I said. That's what I'm thinking. It's going to be those top 25 because they're going to be the ones that are going to be the highly covered and recruited. And so if you're like in that top 25 and you're like, like you said, you go Alabama, I'm still a wide receiver. But you know how they're always loaded with wide receivers. I ain't going to get that burns. Like you said, why not go to, you know, Western Michigan or even go to Michigan where they don't always have the most loaded receivers. But you can go to a different school and other colleges, you know, like I said, can come out and be like, like a Miami or, or like I said, USC or, I don't know, about to say Stanford, UCLA. Other schools that are in areas where you can, like you said, start or have better areas where they can market yourself. It might start taking away from, you know, the SEC because truth be told, the SEC, they reload, but <laughs> you're like, Waiting. <laughs> mm-hmm. And the, could you imagine a Lamar Jackson at Louisville being able to, you know, benefit off his likeness? Oh, he'd have been paid coming out of college. Justin Fields. <laughs> been paid coming out of college. Mm-hmm. And and so. you know that that's I mean, I think that's what's interesting about this because you can actually there's all this talk about we need more balance. That would probably start the more balance in the NCAA where it's not always the powerhouse schools getting the top recruiters. And to be honest, it's no different from the pros because you could offer somebody a free agent, a, a, a max contract, they will go to another team. They wouldn't always ride with like Kansas City or Tampa Bay. As long as they're getting paid, they may look at other places like, you know, San Francisco or Baltimore or, or you know, Chicago. So this is going to open up. Like, I, this may be the start of opening up more balanced in the NCAA, which is definitely needed. Which is why I think is going to, like I said, it's going to lead to some kind of compensation because I don't think the big ones are going to stick around and be getting cherry-picked for some of the recruits that would normally get because they can go to other schools. Start, yes, but they can be able to generate more earnings because you can sell yourself. They would be like, nah, we got to start paying cats so they can kind of reclaim what they lost. But like I said, these next three to five years is going to be very fascinating. And I look forward to it because that, because now you're talking about the NIL taking into place. And now you're talking about the possibility of the playoff structure being going from four teams to 12 teams. And it's going to, and they're talking about the earliest this could possibly take place is 2023. I think that's when you're going to see the, the landscape of recruits and where they go to school is going to start to shift. I'm, I'm, I'm curious if you even want to agree upon that. I, I'm still. <laughs> oh, it's, oh, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Trust me, because you know who's, you know who's raising all types of hell? It's the Big Ten. Yeah, of course. It's the Big Ten that's raising hell. Yes, Ohio State makes it to the playoffs, but Ohio State ain't making it to the championship game. I mean, but, it's always, but there's always two SEC teams, and there's always Clemson. If anybody so, should make a, if anybody should make a big stink about, it should be the Pac-12, twelve, yeah, or, or the Big Twelve, <laughs> yeah. But but it's the Big Ten because the Big Ten generates the most money when it comes to media. 
it's the it's the it's the Big Ten and the SEC when it comes to the media rights. That's gonna change. The Big Ten ain't getting they uh, they just do because they only get one team in. Where the majority of the times it's the SEC possibly getting two. And as I, and I've been saying this for the last couple of years, and I know you've been agreeing me, Ace. You they're overcomplicating a very simple solution to the answer. Just take the conference champions or the champions of each power five and throw in maybe two other teams that you want and let them have at it. Yeah. So I feel you on that, but then, <laughs> <laughs> but then the argument is, so Alabama wins the championship every year, but then you have an 11-1 Georgia or you have an 11-1 Florida who's being excluded because you have a – you have a, a nine and three Oklahoma team that gets in, or you have an eight and five uh, USC or Oregon that gets in, and then this eleven and one Georgia or Florida team is left out in the cold because they didn't win their uh, their conference. It's the fairest. It's, it's the fairest solution. Either a get a better squad that beat Alabama, <laughs> or b leave the SEC and go to another division and start running it there. I mean, it, realignments, realignments all over the place. <laughs> like I said, they're just they're just over complicating a very simple answer. It happens in the NFL all the time. How many times have we seen teams that are like you know 10, 11 win games don't win the um division, and either a well now since they expanded it, but before might even make the playoffs. I mean, might even get a wild card spot. I agree with you. I agree with you, but the difference between the NFL and NCAA, you, the conferences that get these teams into these playoffs tend to stand to make more money come payout time at the end of the season versus an 11 1 Georgia going to play in the Cotton Bowl against a, a 9 4, uh, I don't know, a 9 4 Iowa. You know, they might make a couple million, but the conference as a whole could have made 10 or 20 more million dollars if that second SEC team had made the playoffs. Oh, right. give, give me a break. It's all for <laughs> SEC to keep their monopoly in the playoff team. So now they can have four SEC teams in a, in a 12 playoff game series instead of having one or two in a four game series. Just, oh, hey, it's, hey, it's, it's annoying. It's the Big Ten making it so that they can get more than one team in, too. True. Big 12 is happy to get one. You know, probably it's probably Michigan making the biggest stink out of the Big Ten. <laughs> or, 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 or Notre Dame. Or, or uh, Notre Dame. Uh, Notre Dame. And it's Notre Dame that throws that monkey wrench and everything, especially now that they're going to fall back out of the ACC come to football. Because if Notre Dame turns around and has a hell of a season and they make it so that an SEC team or a Big Ten team don't make it in, then all hell breaks loose. They fuck it up every year for somebody and get in there and get the ass blown out, usually by an SEC team. <laughs> well, just like NBA, just like NFL, we need to touch the NFL today, really. Now we did. Well, ain't much to talk about. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right. You know, we could talk about NCAA. I, I'm really looking forward to see how universities, conferences, and how they, they manage to, to take this NIL and make it uh, – have it so it's an advantage towards each university. But as more components and more information kind of spills out with that, we'll go ahead and discuss it. 
So now that we've reached the end of our time, fellas, tell folks where they can reach you. Uh, you can find me on the Twitter, Gram, Snapchat, J.E. Ross, number seven. And you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, I am out Qualls. Twitter, Instagram, I am out Qualls. You would have found me on the block, but there's a new variant out, so I'm, I'm going back in the house. So you can find me on Twitter at CatDaddy1963. That's CatDaddy1963 on Twitter. <laughs> so once again, we'd like to thank everybody out there that's tuning in, subscribed, and you know, making guys talk with sports where we are today. We really appreciate you guys. Tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend. Come on and join us. Let us know what you think. If you have any input, any questions, or anything that you think we should be addressing moving forward, we'll do so. Real quick, shout out to Serena and Venus Williams. Uh, Serena, unfortunately, uh, left out in the first round of the Wimbledon due to injury, and Serena got bounced out in the second round of the- uh, of I mean, the- Venus. I'm sorry, Venus, yes. Got knocked out in the second round. I think it's coming down to a point where all the time is this kind of creeping up on my mood. I don't know how much time we have left to, to, to appreciate the treasures both of them are, especially when it comes to individual titles and doubles titles. So definitely want to send shout-outs their way. Keep your heads up. And hopefully, uh, Serena can come back for the U.S. Open or maybe even the uh, Australian Open. To be the next Australian Open. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, you can come back strong and try to win that elusive 24th title. If not, we love you. We, we appreciate all you've done. We appreciate all that both you and Venus and Serena have done over the years. And we just hope that you know the next the, the next young crop that's coming up can carry you guys' legacy. Uh, so, with that being said, peace and love. Look forward to another episode of next uh, guys talking sports next week. So until then, stay safe, stay cool, and stay focused. The, the, the pandemic is still here, even though it's high quieting down. So stay focused and do what you need to do. Peace. When Barry, I see you.